just the utter chaos of the situation and the extreme violence, the bodily harm with dismemberment, disembowelment, blood in the water and blood spray on his face and the shock, the terror shown in the soldiers' behavior, the expressions on their faces, literally cowering, like he's, he's borderline tears. He's just whimpering, like stunned by the hell that's just unfolding around him. Welcome to episode 18 of the 20-digit scene review podcast. I myself am one of the co-hosts, David. have here, as always, my trusty co-host, Alex. Hello, hello. And today, we, like every other episode, we review one scene each. It is even 18 today, so that means I go first. And for the first time, we have decided to pick a film before the 1950s. It is none other, and really it doesn't require much introduction, uh, 1942 film Casablanca. Uh, Casablanca is ranked one of the top 100 movies of all time, according to Time Magazine. Uh, I think according to many uh references over the course of the last couple of decades it remains a classic for many it is impossible not to include a scene from this film quite frankly it is uh, a beautiful film in its own right i feel it still sticks out it sticks up uh, stands the test of time it's a black and white film of course being uh, of which it was uh, when it was made and of course received all kinds of accolades uh, from an awards perspective. The scene that I have picked today is none other than the played again Sam scene. And I kind of say that a little bit tongue in cheek because the scene is also, and I think the one thereafter uh, is, is an example of the Mandela effect, which is uh, the collective uh, misrepresentation or memory of, of something uh, in an incorrect way, because uh, Played Against Sam is is actually never mentioned in the film at all. Uh, so for many reasons, um, one of this being one of them, I, I wanted to pick this scene. It's it's probably the one of the most popular scenes of the movie. There are many, uh, but I wanted to take this one in particular, uh, starring both uh, Ingrid Bergman as Elsa, and of course Humphrey Borkart as Rick, also who uh, shows in this particular scene is Julie Wilson as Sam and Paul Henreid as Victor Laszlo and Claude Rains as Louis. <clears throat> so the scene begins uh, with Elsa arriving um, in the bar and she converses there with Sam. And I think the very first thing that draws me more than anything, when I first watched this, I recall very, very, very clearly something different about the way the acting unfolds. I think with uh, the way Ingrid, it's just her eyes. I know we, Alex, we've, we've talked about this so many different times in many different scenes before uh, in each of different episodes earlier is just how we love the fact that when it comes to eye acting, you can see so much and there's just so much going on when you look at her. If you, if you stare at her throughout the scene leading up as, as she's conversing with Sam 
as as she looks at him very carefully. I don't think she blinks, but there's just so much emotion and so much insight, just so many different things going on there. And it it, it travels beautifully throughout that scene. Uh, obviously, when Rick and Ingrid meet each other, the way they look at each other, um, it's, it's such a beautiful moment in many different ways. I think there's actually a 26 second, 20 to 30 second segment when Sam does finally play that infamous uh, As Time Goes By song. And she's, it's just 20 to 30 seconds of her just, her not saying a, a thing, staring off to space and just speaking volumes without saying a single thing. And that to me is just why I just, it's ingrained to this very day when uh, the first thing I, when I saw it, I was just blown away by, by her eyes and, and her, her acting there. Uh, the other thing that's, uh, that, that, that kind of threw me as, as a amateur pianist is just, in this particular case, obviously it's Sam at the table, uh, Dooley Wilson. He's actually a, a singer, I think by uh, by trade, uh, had done a lot of cafes, uh, had a career as well um, as an actor. Uh, he was a drummer uh, as well, toured many nightclubs in London and Paris in the 1920s in a band. Um, and But one thing that just, from a musical point of view, just the way he sings. Uh, Elsa, of course, asks him to, to sing after he starts playing, but his, it's just so effortless. And that's the thing I love about the classics. It's just it's just effortless. Back then, it wasn't about being bombastic, loud. You know, Now it tends to be the louder, the louder you are, the better you are. But you can see just the quality of his voice is tremendous. Now, the piano, I don't believe he was playing. I think it was off-screen played by... I believe it either Elliot Carpenter or John uh, Jean Plummer, and it was dubbed thereafter. Uh, but the even the piano playing—I mean, I'm, it's jazz, but it's just—it's just so effortless the way it just kind of ripples the scales or rippling across the keys. Uh, for me, as uh, as anyone that aspires to be a great musician, that that stuck out for me. And the final thing I'd like to say uh, before I, I, I give off here to Alex is. Uh, when they're sitting down, there's this wonderful exchange going on too. Uh, I really liked how, uh, you know, congratulations for the cafe, Victor Laszlo says, and then uh, Rick goes on to say, "Well, congratulations to you," and he says, "For what?" and says, uh, "For the things that you've done," and not so many words. And and Victor goes on to say, "Well, I try," and then Rick says something to the effect of, "Many people try. We all try." but you succeed. And it was just, it was just a really <laughs> nice exchange uh, in lyrics. And, and I think the, not lyrics, sorry, the script. And having talked about the script, I will also mention uh, before I get Alex's opinion here. Interestingly enough, this script wasn't actually written beforehand for this movie. Despite winning Best Screenplay at the Academy Awards, this movie was... They flew by the seat of the acting pants of the star cast that was on display there. So, really, yeah, it's that. That's that's one of this part of my research. That's something I discovered, and it was uh, it was actually an interview interview with um, with Ingrid about that, and it was a bit different for them, but they handled it beautifully, like it throughout the entire film, and of course during these scenes, uh, maybe that's why it just played off so well and so naturally. So anyway, I just... That's incredible. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, my thoughts. Um, 
Definitely Bogart and Bergman, they really uh, conveyed with their acting that there was romantic history between mm-hmm. the two characters, super mm-hmm. clear throughout the scene, the way they're, they're looking at each other. Uh, they're holding back words that they wish they could say or that they want to say. Uh, they're putting up fronts, of course, with the other characters in there who probably don't know the history, don't, don't care. To, I mean, I haven't seen the full film yet, but right. Uh, and just what I like is that their mouths are saying one thing. But their eyes looking at each other are saying another. That is, that is, I couldn't have said it any better. That (laughs) is so true. And it's, uh, there's just so much class and poise in the way the scene just goes. And as you said, the mouths are saying one thing, the eyes are doing another. And it's, uh, but everyone knows, like, there's no mystery here. It's, uh, okay. You know, it's uh, everyone knows what what happened. I guess there was some history there, and, and it, there's no pretending going on. But at the same time, that there's enough respect for the people at the table and each other and others uh, that you know there. It, it's just it's just wonderful to watch. You know, I, nice. you know me like I just love mm-hmm. things that happen without being said, and this is the perfect yep. example of that. Yeah, definitely. And uh, to speak to the piano playing as well, uh, uh, very similarly, I, that struck me also that as I as I heard in the, in the arpeggios going up and down and uh, the touch of the pianist, it was, it was really nice. And it just it made me want to learn to play like that, because like, if, if anything, you know, of, of I guess in terms of Swiss cheese, the kind of the holes in my uh, abilities doing <laughs> jazz like that is is one yeah. of them and hundred percent i mean i can i can i can kind of play a block chord here and there of, with a seven and a nine and a major this and that but but to play like that it's, it's really nice and and so uh be, be I, I cool would, to yeah sorry to be able to the, play something yeah. like that yeah um and i would agree i don't based on the visuals alone it didn't look like the actor was was, was playing it but that's okay you know it's it's uh not wasn't intended probably so um one thing I noticed was Bergman's jewelry. Actually, <laughs> the brooch she had on her on oh. uh, over here, and the, the earrings and stuff—they're quite large and sparkly, uh, <laughs> and, and many gems. Like where we're talking, like there must have been a, the brooch must have been a good three, four, five inches in size, which is is kind of something. Uh, and if there are probably dozens of of stones in it, hmm. and uh, it was quite um, eye catching because usually. You you could I suppose that's going to give the impression that it's quite expensive, uh, and and even the earrings too. They look like they had probably ten, fifteen, twenty stones in, in them, and and they're <laughs> like chunky. Um, so that's a little side comment there. And w- what struck me as odd in the scene actually was uh, the script is like, "Why don't you join us for a drink?" You sit down. Scarcely <laughs> sixty seconds later, <laughs> I, uh, I hate to be the one to say this, but we have to go. But, wait, what? <laughs> right? <laughs> Thought, and thought, hardly anyone took a drink, <laughs> but the, but the, the waiter had served you know the, the the things there, and only the captain is the one, uh, or the show, chief of police rather, is the only one who actually sipped anything. <laughs> I think I, I think that's part of the interest. I mean, part of the the charm of the scene itself. It's uh, obviously there's romantic history between uh-huh. Elsa and Rick, and Victor being her husband. It's a bit awkward, right? So I, I don't know if that played it because I think it was Louis who or the captain that, that yes. initiated that, the 
Okay, yes, we're done exactly. here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this just wasn't my idea. So, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah. yes, that was certainly odd. But I mean, it, <clears throat> there was it was just uh, you cannot forget an iconic scene such as this. Uh, and very, I think a lot of people look at this and attempt to do something similar. I'm sure there's been many times. I feel that today's society, uh, again, it's, it's more what you say. It, it tends to be over spoken sometimes and we've lose that, uh, the beauty of silence sometimes. And, uh, that's one of the one of, wonderful things about older films. And this is drawing me to look at other ones as well. Because nice. they serve as inspirations for the films and the directors and the scriptwriters and all the members of filmmaking uh, involved, I'm sure, looked at these films and, and put it into their works. So it's... Uh, yeah, it's yeah. definitely part of the arts too, whether you know it, it's writing, poetry, uh, visual arts, painting, um, dance, and music. It, it, it serves any anyone who is aspiring to go beyond the amateur or the intermediate to to study the history of your craft of of mm -hmm. your of your art that you're doing like what have the the performers and the composers and and uh, you know the artists who have come before you what what have they done and, and you could just right. learn so much and then you bring that to bear on your your modern craft in your contemporary time mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it's interesting too that Humphrey Bogart was uh hum he, he was a more of accomplished uh, actor at the helm here uh, versus that of say Ingrid and she mentioned in her interview uh, later that it was a bit not necessarily intimidating but it was obviously a bit of pressure to, to perform um, so that I thought that was interesting I mean having those sort of dynamics involved but it, it, you couldn't have told you, you certainly couldn't tell that she didn't belong there she was fantastic mm. in that film in that scene and I also really liked the relationship between Elsa and Sam like it was short but interesting it was uh it's like two friends talking uh, yeah it there was there was a relationship there further than just another prop or another extra which was interesting. yeah absolutely mm -hmm. it was it was certainly conveyed like even me just watching that that you get the sense that um they 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 too and not just her and Rick, but she and Sam have had seen each other yes. multiple times over over years and stuff. Coming into the establishment and et cetera, and and just becoming really more, much more than acquaintances, but good friends as they encounter one another in the venue. And how much time was spent on screen there? But that that was clearly uh, conveyed to us as as and probably yourself even as maybe the first time well not the first time you've seen the scene, but it's. Uh, it's difficult to do in a very short period of time, but there was that chemistry between them and it mm -hmm. clearly showed in that scene. So there's, there's many things that just uh, was part of this and which is why I selected it, not because of just being popular for what it is, but there's a lot of little other things that was going on there. And of course the most epic of all, you know, I told you never to play that song again. And then there's that moment of, mm -hmm. But uh, those, these other things certainly played a part in the scene beautifully, so it was nice to see. Great. 
yeah, it certainly encourages me to see the whole film because I haven't actually seen mm-hmm, it yet. But. Mm-hmm. And it encourages me to watch it again because I only, mm-hmm. actually I don't think I've only watched it once. So I think there's at least eight or nine quotes in that movie that are most quotable movie uh, quotes of all time too. So it's uh, certainly recommend it. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. So what do you have for us this week? All righty. Um, Oddly enough, and it's it's funny because we didn't plan this, but I I picked something that's also depicting uh, the 1940s <laughs> area, but um, Saving Private Ryan. So I'm shocked. I'm shocked you picked <laughs> this. I'm going to say that right now. Like I didn't think that this was something that would be in your your pocket to to watch. It's a uh, you know war war film and uh-huh, uh-huh. and well not, on that front but, I could explain that. Um, sure. It's I, in the last yeah, few years or recently in, in my life, become a lot more interested in history and stuff. Uh, and, I, and I did see this I also, uh, earlier when it near when it was released. But yeah, just the history aspect of it is, is um, fascinating to me. So the scene I'm picked here is the uh, famous or infamous D-Day Beach Landing. So this is fairly early in the film, available to uh, watch on Netflix. Uh, I've picked... I'm going to put in the show notes the timestamps here, but um, for the, I guess, the quicker version, you can watch from 610 to 1349. So it's just about seven minutes or something, seven and a half. But if you want to get the full impact of stuff, you can watch the entire battle sequence, which is from 431 to 2838. So 1998 film starring, of course, uh, Tom Hanks and then uh, Tom Sizemore and Matt Damon. And it also includes uh, Vin Diesel. And ah, Dancer, I did recognize I him. I forgot he was in yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> I did. I, it's true. I didn't make that connection until I started looking up credits. Like, oh, wait, what? <laughs> uh, directed by the famous Steven Spielberg. A screenplay by Robert Rotat and cin- cinematography by Janusz Kaminski. Okay, so uh, before I begin talking, and for anyone who hasn't seen this film yet, um, a warning right up front that it's extremely graphic and realistic depiction of uh, injury and death. So if uh, if you have any kind of problem with that, you probably want to skip yeah, <laughs> watching you this. Don't want to watch it, that's for sure. <laughs> so this is a very famous scene. And of course, even the real life event is very is famous in and of itself. It's uh, the depiction of the US uh, Army assault of a beach of Nazi held northern France during World War Two. Oh, and I'll also disclaim right up front, you know, as I've said before, not a history expert and just a lay enthusiast. Okay? <laughs> so <laughs> don't don't try to paint me that I am. And <laughs> June 6, 1944, so known popularly as D-Day. Now, for those that don't know, uh, D-Day is a mi- is military terminology for the, the first day of a planned operation. Okay, and they, 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 they call it D-Day as if it's like an algebraic variable. So if you go D plus 2... It's two days after D-Day, or D minus mm. one is the day before in preparation. And they also have a term H hour, for which means a similar thing. So in this case, the operation in question was Operation Overlord, which is the code name for the battle of taking over Normandy, which is a region in northern France. Now, I won't get into too much of the history here, because there's just so much available on the internet about, uh, never mind the film, but the other real life events. So, um, interested listeners can go do their own research. But I picked this scene because of just how unforgettable it was. Mm-hmm. It's just the the work of of Spielberg and and, and Kaminsky and and Hanks and and just the utter 
chaos of the situation and the extreme violence, the the realistic portrayal of the, the bodily harm with the prosthetics and the CG. There's dis dismemberment, disembowelment, uh, blood in the water, and blood spray on Hanks's face. And this is this is all all I've said here up to this point is just the the physical, right? But even on top of that, this the the great depiction of the the shock, the terror shown in the soldiers' behavior, the expressions on their faces. There's this one scene where a fairly young soldier is, is literally cowering, like he's he's borderline tears. He's just whimpering, like as is to say, where's my mommy? Like, just freaked out, like, where the hell am I? Because uh, in, in that you've got Hanks, he's shown momentarily stunned by the hell that's just unfolding around him. The the way they made the film, they, they muffled the audio and, and slight slow-mo just to show that he's just psychologically stunned by what's going on. They show soldiers unwilling to obey orders to advance. And so I'll talk a bit about militarily what, what happened here. So it's clear from the depiction, and I believe this was the case in the real-life situation as well, that there are very unfavorable conditions for the attacking forces because uh, they're needing to advance across an open area with very little cover. Uh, and with you know, in, mo in the modern era, of, of in, as opposed to a medieval, <laughs> you want cover because <laughs> it, the main weaponry is projectiles, right? And you, you want... I have obstacles in the way to get in the way of the projectiles. And on, on this beach, there's just so little of that. They're, they're, and there's strong fortifications, including uh, bunkers and heavy machine guns, mortars, artillery, and then, of course, the soldiers themselves have rifles. So just all manner of crap just peppering on these soldiers from all directions, right? Like practically 180 degrees, just the, the way that they're, the, the beach was arranged. Um there's even anti-personnel mines on the beach. So you're trying to make your way as fast as you can, and then boom, your leg is blown off like because you just stepped on the wrong spot. And from the very first action, you know, you, you just heart goes out to it because you, the poor souls in the first few landing craft are just such easy targets for the concentrated uh, heavy machine gun fire because the, the, the craft are kind of like uh, long rectangles, and it's the front that it goes down like a ramp for them to disembark as opposed to the back or the side. So that goes down and it's not very fast either. And so it's just going down and you, they're just fish in a barrel, like just sitting ducks there. Just it, you feel so bad for them because you know, what else could they do? Because you, they, they could, there was no cover even for the craft to go behind or something. And it's just, wow. There's a lot here to, uh, where it's true to history. Um, the static defenses, like the the wooden and, and metal structures that you could be seen uh, kind of uh, in the waters, those are to to stop um, boats and I guess uh, amphibious tanks from from getting in. And they're not just there to uh, to to physically stop, but some of them, uh, what from what I read, they they have mines placed on them so that if the ships come when the tide is higher and the ships come and they hit those things, big boom. Um, they even had plastic wrapping on the on the guns, which is to uh, presumably to protect the machinery and anything that re relies on uh, sparks and fire to ignite the, 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 so that the bullets can be shot and stuff. Uh, talking a bit about the, uh, the cinematography by Kaminsky, they had, they had uh, underwater shots, um, shaky camera work, um, and at one point, uh, first-person view um, of uh, presumably Hanks's character with the in the audio you've got the heavy breathing um, as if uh, you know first person so you're seeing from the eyes of the soldier struggling to get to 
the point that would give them a little bit of respite so that they would have some cover from all the, the uh, enemy fire. Uh, Kaminsky also had, apparently, the cameras adjusted, like physically changed. So hmm. the, he had the lenses treated in order to strip off what's usually a coating on it, and that that would affect the um, the, the look the, of the, the colors and the brightness of the shot. And even the shutter timing, which I had to look up, but there's typically it's called 180 degree shutter timing. Um, but he changed that to uh, 90 or 45 for some shots. And if it, it affects again, um, the level of brightness and, and the, the type of color and saturation on effect. Huh. And so, yeah, some very deliberate steps being taken here in order oh, to, I did not know uh, that. like him and Spielberg collaborated with this, uh, in mind so that because they wanted to portray it, it's obviously late 90s and lots of technology has come into the fore in terms of how the color looks when you go to a cinema and you and you see the film but he said we don't want it to, to look like that like it looks like it's like people came from the 1990s and shot something we want right. it to look like people from the 1940s right. 50s or 60s went in to shoot this so and they were so, so uh, you're saying that they were um looking for a very specific color and brightness in that and, yeah. and manipulated yeah. the lens according oh, interesting yeah and okay. uh even to the point of when they were treating the film he had a, a special separate different processing done on the negatives oh, that's very also interesting. even more uh, have this effect of the desaturation the dark mm -hmm. the gray mm -hmm. uh right and um mm, nice find that's very yeah, interesting one last point is it's worth rewatching with the subtitles on to catch the military jargon uh that that they use ah, good point yeah it's it's neat you can actually um go i actually watch movies now with the subtitles points. voluntarily now which is interesting because i it, i find it helps in, in instances where i miss certain exchanges i find it useful yeah actually yeah it's definitely true i but i prefer to watch on the first watch at least yes. without them because Fair i want enough. to I want to get what the the audio people have deliberately sure. worked in sure. and stuff, and and of course I want to we'll look at the actors' faces and not go up and down, up and down. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I'll leave it at that and uh, get your thoughts on this. It's interesting that you picked this uh, scene as being so memorable. It's so memorable that I had read that actually, people actually forget that it's not the first scene in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, it's frequently forgotten that there's that scene of him uh, older and with his grandkids and family and and, and then reminiscing and, and going back to that so it, it, that's just how that's just how impactful that scene is the other interesting thing i read about it is that for a lot of war veterans uh, watching it they were so uh impacted by the scene that mm -hmm. they had i think the hotline for uh military vets was uh, had it hit a peak <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> because it triggered a ton of uh, probably ptsd like a lot of memories yes um, yeah i read that too uh, and they, some of them couldn't even sit through the right. rest of the film they had to get it was get just up and so realistic and, and that's 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 just hats off to the team right spielberg yeah, and the team exactly to recreate that as if it was. And as you said, there's a lot of military jargon going, the chaos and everything else, the combination of cinematography, the jerky cam, everything else. And you're you're right, not just the physical, but the mental aspects were very much uh, portrayed in that scene. Uh, I think I also read that of the $70 million budgeted for 
uh, the film, I think 12 million was spent on this particular sequence. There was like 1500 extras. Uh, and to make it authentic, just like uh, I think was in what we did in Heat when we had talked about Heat in the first uh, um, episode, they hired the help of uh, Dale Dye, a retired and decorated Marine vet, uh, to help with that authenticness, authenticity. Uh, so helping to train the actors, and I think they spent like 10 days in boot camp just to help prepare for that. And it clearly shows. You can see that they were able to bring that to, to the screen. So there's just mm -hmm. the realism, if it's that word that we use to describe this, was on point, and it set in motion everything that came after it. A lot of other inspired films, and most recently I think Dunkirk I saw, uh, had a very similar kind of feel to it. I have not seen 1917, but that's another one. I think that's the most the, the, the most recent uh, one that came about. But I'm sure there was many, many others. I think Band of Brothers was a series that came thereafter. So there's just so many that uh, this yeah. movie set in motion and inspired uh, a, a new set of filmmaking, really. So tremendous pick. It is, uh, it's an icon mm -hmm. for sure. Mm -hmm. On that point with the, with the Dale Dye, um, what I had read also was quite interesting is that Spielberg was, was quoted as saying, um, he wanted the act, he put the actors to, to do, to go through that boot camp. Um, not so much, or at least not just because of the, of the physical, uh, training and, and to get them to understand the real military tactics, but also to just understand the sacrifice of what it meant to be a soldier mm. of just, just the, the psychological, the mental of it. Um, just, yeah, again, the word sacrifice, how it's the valor, the honor, the, the, the glory of it. Um, and to get that into their psyche so that they could portray that mm -hmm. in the film. Mm -hmm. Definitely saw that. Definitely saw yeah. that. It was uh, tremendous on many different levels. And I got so into it, I couldn't stop watching it. I needed yeah. to see it to the end. I watched it right because uh, it was actually one of my favorite parts later when they start penetrating those defenses and yep. the, the the little things that they did the little tricks and you know the gum and the the mirror and it's just you have to be able to think on your feet <laughs> in situations <laughs> like that and it's just interesting how they were doing that on the fly uh which is nothing special per se i guess if you you've been in situations like this uh but it's uh it was nice to see for sure so i enjoyed it thoroughly and i kept watching it <laughs> nice yeah yeah, yeah I, I was thinking that you know as i put the more extended timestamp markings that it's almost like i challenge you not to watch yeah all the way to the end of this, right? because <laughs> yeah. it's so gripping yes. but if we're going to talk a bit about the further uh, stuff past the 13 14 minute mark um one thing i noticed that that kind of struck me as odd is at the point where they're they're going to um, assault the bunker. They use two grenades. Um, mm -hmm. Nothing wrong with that. That's that's probably what you should do. It's just that one soldier had the two grenades, and he handed one of them to, um, the, I guess, the sergeant or the 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 one in command uh, of the unit. But he didn't just give it to him. He kind of tossed it to him like an yeah. egg or something, right? Yeah. And I'm yeah. like, whoa! What if he dropped it or fumbled <laughs> it, right? Like, why would he do that? Why didn't he just hand it to him? So that found that a bit. <laughs> time uh, time speed yeah and i guess yeah, we can hardly blame anybody to be um 
making mental errors. I, I do recall like that, that scene, though. I, I, I mean, sorry, yeah. I, I remember recalling that moment. So <laughs> yeah. it is like, oh, man, this is a well-coordinated uh, uh, stunt they're doing. Not stunt, but... <laughs> yeah, and it was a bit odd when the um, the enemy was coming out. They they looked a little too casual coming out. <laughs> like you just got a grenade tossed into. You don't think that there's enemy forces <laughs> right out the door? Why wouldn't you have your guns up and and also try to do something? It's like they just kind of <laughs> waltz to the left. <laughs> what? Oh well, whatever. It's. Uh, I think one of the things I would probably, if I were in that situation, I'd be pretty disoriented. Just in general, like whether I'm in the hacking force, I wouldn't have no idea where I am. <laughs> okay you know what that's probably it, true if there's a, a lot of disorientation and, goes off. and yeah. also the grenade went off you're you're probably panicking like there's there's a lot <laughs> of things it's, logic starts going out the window when uh <laughs> in sure. times of these situations so i exactly. think that uh yeah but uh i was thoroughly shocked to see this one come up <laughs> i was wait, for you picking this i didn't think but now that you explain it the historical aspect for sure i know that just, that's a big thing for you so good Happy to see that, and totally by coincidence, war, uh, war. It seems like we have a World War II theme going on here. So interesting. Mm -hmm. uh -huh. Well, with that, I think that concludes this episode. Um, thank you again, everyone, for listening. Thanks, Alex, for your time. It was great. Um, love doing this, and I think we'll continue. So, as always, if folks, if you have any scenes that you'd like to re recommend, please don't hesitate. Email us, and we'll be sure to add it to the list. Thank you so much, everybody. Take care. Okay. Thanks. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening. You can email us at scenereview at 20digit.com and find us on YouTube by searching for 20digit productions. And we're 20digit on Twitter and Instagram. Note that our website and all our online IDs are spelled with numbers, 20-D-I-G-I-T. Thanks for listening to the 20-Digit Scene Review Podcast. <laughs>